Apple. Apple has long been the hottest company in this town. We'll talk about Apple in a minute, but right now, it's been displaced as the hottest company in Silicon Valley by a company that five years ago we really didn't see coming, NVIDIA. What's that all about? I mean, that their stock went up 30% this week. They just kissed a trillion dollars in value that puts them up there with, it puts them ahead of Meta, among other things. But it's up there with Apple and Google, you know, and Microsoft. I mean, not bad. No doubt any NVIDIA employees in the room drinks are on you. <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to the Friday, June 2nd installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. This week's podcast is special. Over the years, we've recorded episodes of this show in a living room, in a studio, and even in a pickup truck, but never before a live audience. So this is a first. We are at the weekly luncheon meeting of the downtown San Jose Rotary Club, one of Silicon Valley's most enduring and influential institutions. We are excited to be here, and we intend to give you at home and the Rotarians in front of us a fun show. My name is Mike Malone, and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for BBC Bay, NBC Bay Area. NBC Bay Area. Our producer right over there is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott, you ready? I am. Thanks for having us, you guys. It's great to be here. It's an honor. So let's start out with the news from Google. We're going to try to make this a non-Elon episode. <laughs> I think he's going to... Good luck with that. Yeah, I think he's going to come up near the end briefly. Uh, so Google announced this week it's shedding 1.4 million square feet of its Silicon Valley office space. Okay, I mean, that's not real surprising in a sense because they've been having a bunch of layoffs and they've got to, you know, move back, move fully into their new Burning Man Pavilion headquarters in Mountain View. Uh, and they're just downsizing like most companies, big companies around here coming out of COVID. But it raises some real questions about Google's long planned giant campus just a few blocks from here in downtown San Jose. Is it on? I mean, nobody at Google or in the city's government, seems to want to talk about it, but it appears the project is on indefinite hold. Is that what you're hearing? I mean, from the city, no. The city's very optimistic, but they have reason they have to be optimistic. Be, yeah. Google says it is still committed to downtown San Jose. Uh, they're using a slightly, I would say, 15 to 30 year plan as a, as a long plan, yeah. especially in the tech world. But, you know, they're playing the long game. This is Google, after all. They're not going anywhere. Um, but they're dealing with realities in the short term, as you said, cutbacks. You know, they built one brand new facility on Shoreline already, and they're still trying to get people back to the office. Yeah. So they're dealing with a lot, and there are fewer people to bring back because they've had layoffs. And they missed AI. They're scrambling to get in that game. So they're already falling a little behind. That's always a bad sign for a big company in this town. 
Right. Although they are Google, so they can buy their way back into prominence. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of money, a very successful stock. And again, it is Google. It's not going anywhere. The question, if you're in San Jose, I think, is A, when that campus is coming to town and B, not just for the Googlers and the developers, but what about housing? San Jose has huge concerns when it comes to housing. It would love to have more housing downtown, but any Google potential delay is a housing potential delay, and that means the city has got to be concerned about that. I mean, every time I drove by on the freeway, I see the cranes and there's all this construction in anticipation by developers and people wanting to move in for this campus, and now we don't know when it's gonna be. And when you say 30-year plan, that's not a good sign. I mean, that, what does that mean for San Jose? I mean, it's tough, I, and I know that, that Mayor Matt Mahan ran largely on housing, and that's a big issue for the city, and that makes a lot of sense to, to really stress that. And you can see in other programs and other places, San Jose is building housing, desperately needed housing. Uh, as far as the Google plan, though, right, I mean, that's a, that's a big, time span when housing is needed today. Housing is needed yesterday, yeah. uh, not in 30 years. And so I think it's just a big question mark as to when that will happen um, and if and how Google can expand its presence in San Jose. I believe Google wants to do that. I believe San Jose wants that to happen. It just sounds like it's happening slower than maybe three, four or five years ago the, the original hope was. Okay, so I made a down payment on a condo around that that block. I mean, what do I have to look forward to? Am I going to be looking at a, a mud hole for the next five, 10 years? I mean, it's a good question. And I happen to know that uh, Rose Garden Real Estate, which is really near where the campus was, when that first announcement was made, uh, you know, a house in Rose Garden doubled in value. Oh, in Burbank too. Yeah. And it was all of a sudden just a super, super hot area. And I wonder now as the overall housing market has cooled uh, somewhat, uh, if that's the case now on the uncertainty and, and perhaps longer than expected timeline for Google's campus to be down there. But I wouldn't say it's, it's not going to happen. I think it's too early to say that. But as the ebbs and flows of the tech industry ebb and flow, Google is one of the biggest. And so it's going to see layoffs. It's going to see concerns. It's going to see competition in what is right now the hottest area, like you said, artificial intelligence. And that just means there are a lot of question marks going forward. Nobody, especially investors, like to see question marks going forward. And that's what we have right now for the company's campus in San Jose. Okay, well, negotiations for this was, to say the least, attenuated. And did negotiators of San Jose make a mistake by playing hardball too long? I mean, if they cut this deal earlier, maybe given up a little bit more, this would be under construction by now. I mean, did, did everybody forget there's actually a boom bust cycle in Silicon Valley? Perhaps. I mean, right. The, the negotiations took a long time, but negotiations often do. But you're right. I mean, everyone in this room probably remembers the dot-com bust and how in 1999 and 2000, there were literally buildings that were half constructed see-throughs that just had to stop and you saw like the rebar sort of sticking up uh for quite a while until eventually things got back to to what we expect which is growth and hiring and building um and so right you can't time these things and so you can say hey if only this had happened earlier yeah there probably would be building but you know Life so is full of those sliding doors. What so is should, sort of for the time being, should the city just invest in grass seed and put it down there, have their own central park? 
I, I don't know. I think, and I'm not a city employee. Uh, I'm one of those people that antagonizes the city by asking <laughs> questions. But I, I do appreciate that they are still working to get especially low and middle income housing in parts of San Jose. Um, and right, you, you've got to hope that if you're somebody in San Jose that wants growth downtown, that Google gets back on a faster timeline. But the whole tech industry has to change for that to happen. Yeah. The stock market has to change and- VCs start to have to invest again. Right, yeah. and, and Google is going to be out front because again, it is Google. Okay, well, I'll believe it when I see John Hennessy eating in restaurants in downtown San Jose. There you go. Um, okay, Apple. Apple has long been the hottest company in this town. We'll talk about Apple in a minute, but right now it's been displaced as the hottest company in Silicon Valley by a company that five years ago we really didn't see coming, NVIDIA. What's that all about? I mean, that their stock went up 30% this week. They just kissed a trillion dollars in value that puts them up there with, it puts them ahead of Meta, among other things, but it's up there with Apple and Google, you know, and Microsoft. I mean, not bad. No doubt, any NVIDIA employees in the room Drinks are on you. <laughs> my, only, my only pushback on that would be when you said we didn't see it coming. NVIDIA has been strong for decades now. Um, certainly a shout out deserved to the CEO, Jensen Wong. He's done a fantastic job of somehow being a little bit ahead of the hot trends. Their chips were used in healthcare before that were hot. Before that was hot, obviously they had the chips and boards for gaming. Um, even Bitcoin mining briefly relied on. Yeah, I mean, they've had they've had these bursts of growth a couple yeah. times in the past, but this one looks stronger than ever. Right, and they are that rare company that seems to be living up to the hype. AI is the latest thing that's getting a lot of hype, which means any company is going to say, "Hey, we're involved in this." The stock price is going to go up, and then a lot of them will be, you know, there is nobody behind the curtain. We see that a lot with Nvidia, though. They are honestly saying, "Hey, our chipsets are selling." like hotcakes because they are needed in these server farms that develop AI. And so good for them, they were once again ahead of the hot technology. And they teamed up with Microsoft to build a supercomputer, right? So they're going after the web too, with AI. Very much so, and they've had the chips that are in electric cars, they were ahead of that. Again, even the crypto and certainly AI, and you've got to give NVIDIA credit in an industry that is known to be built into everything, chip and chip yeah. equipment, they are out front making sure that they're built into the hot things. And that's not easy because a lot of that takes guessing in an industry that has to start building years before oh, yeah. the product I mean, hits market. Six months ago, Jens Wang was complaining. I mean, talk about stepping off of a sinking ship onto a speedboat. He was complaining that the gaming business was dying and they might have you know, poor numbers, financials this quarter, and instead they're the hottest stock on earth because they just stepped off right into AI like it was effortless. Right, it's hard, and we've seen this before, it's hard for a chip company to pivot because they just have to do everything so far in advance. But NVIDIA is just more nimble than just about any startup I've seen, and they're being richly rewarded for it. So NVIDIA, Broadcom, AMD, right. they're all doing great. And then uh, this week, front page Wall Street Journal, Intel, saying Intel is still in a mud hole. As long as we're talking about mud holes, uh, Intel is being characterized by America's leading business newspaper as a mud hole. 
Have they missed the boat again? I mean, they seem to be focused on building giant fabs, and that's going to be their way out. But that's never been the Intel way. They've always been the innovator. So there's going to be a bunch of, is it going to be like Intel inside, a whole company, a giant company, everybody in bunny suits making chips for NVIDIA? Oh, who knows? I mean, Intel, for whatever reason, the last decade has sort of taken on the role of missing the boat for mobile, for crypto, for electric cars, for AI. Um, they've made some investments in some good places. Even just today, I believe it was announced that they're investing in some AI security. Uh, but you're right. For whatever reason, they turned into the big behemoth of the industry that just can't turn fast enough to keep up with the industry trends. It reminds me of Abba Yvonne's phrase about they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on over there. They've they ever, just since, haven't ever since Andy Grove. Right. That, that's been a loss come. Missing the mobile boat, which is a yeah. several trillion dollar boat that you don't want to miss. And they're still playing catch up on that. And when you're constantly catching up to something that is now built into our lives, a la mobile, um, it's hard to stay ahead and catch up to the next thing. And, and that's their problem. OK. Uh, also this week, your old friend Elizabeth Holmes reported the country club, <laughs> country club prison in Texas. I say old friend because this poor guy covered that story for a year every day, getting up before dawn to go to the federal courthouse. And you, you got to be there for the verdict. And was this it? Is this the end of the story for 11 years? Well, so right. She was sentenced to 11 years in prison in Texas. She checked in yesterday. Um, there are still appeals going through the courts. Uh, so there is a chance that she'll win an appeal and be let free. Uh, but it's doubtful. And, and again, I claim no legal knowledge despite my proximity to this case. But I, I talk to a lot of lawyers about this, and they say, hey, the appeal will continue. But even when the last appeal was filed, yeah. the district court said, great, we'll look at the appeal, but you're going to be in jail while we look at it. So that perhaps hints that uh, they didn't think it had a, a really big chance. It's one of many appeals she's filed. Um, and so, I mean, I, I've literally been part of this thing for two straight years, and it is a little weird to know that she's now in jail. You As see, in, what see, am I going to do with my career from here on out? <laughs> did you see the telephoto lens shot of her walking? I did. In, it looked like a community college campus. Yeah, you know, last night on the news, I was talking about this with our anchor, Raj Mathai, and they had it sort of spread out in the, the video while we were looking at. And he said, you know, I went to San Diego State, and it didn't look that good. <laughs> but look, a white-collar prison is still prison was my response. And when you get an 11 year sentence, um, with two that's little a pretty with heavy- With two little kids. Right, it's a heavy federal sentence to have handed down by federal law. She has to serve at least nine years, even with good behavior. Right, the two kids um, and the restitution, she and Sonny Balwani owe- 420 million $425 million bucks. to the likes yeah. of Rupert Murdoch and the DeVos family and Walgreens, et cetera. Um, That's going to be a lot of license plates. Yeah, I mean, you make somewhere between 12 cents and a dollar an hour in jail. So it's not going to be made up during that time. Some one lawyer actually told me if she was every day in prison, she'd have to stay there something like 95,000 years to make the restitution. That's a long sentence. So um, it, it seems that in these federal cases, the reparation, the uh, remunerations are somewhat 
symbolic. Yeah. Uh, unless, and you know, this is probably in there somewhere, unless a successful book comes out of this. Or she can start another company. Or she can start another company. Silicon Valley loves a comeback story. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I got a call yesterday from the Mercury News asking me the impact of Holmes's story on the Valley. And I came up with a, I came up with a several answers. See if you agree with me. One of them is she seriously damaged the venture capital industry. Agreed. A lot of these big gilt edge VCs put a lot of money into her and they, and they lost it all. Okay, so investors, and investors, we don't think of them as being going into, into venture money as being conservative, but hedge funds do put money into venture capital funds and they're putting in the money from Santa Clara University and, you know, and also big charities. They seem to be resisting right now. They're not raising as much money in the venture capital industry as they are. They're having bad quarters. This is three bad quarters in a row that the VC world has had. And it's costing new startups, you know, and it's particularly in med tech because med tech was going to be the big deal. The VCs were going to put money into, into uh, Series A rounds, get these guys going and all that. They're not doing it anymore. We thought MedTech was going to be, you know, we talked about it, it was going to be one of the big technologies that gets us out into the next boom. It isn't happening. Um, and finally, and this is a more subtle one, I think it's stigmatized women entrepreneurs. I think it's hard for a woman in a startup company to raise money right now. And if, even if you're a veteran woman in the Valley, you're not getting, you're, you're being looked at a bit askance, like, is, is she another con artist? Right. You're absolutely right. And I think that last one is the most insidious one. I've, over the last few days, talked to female VCs, female CEOs, and they say, and granted, this is, Theranos went under a while ago. We're talking years ago. And to this day, they are having trouble getting funds, A, because there's sexism built into the industry, let's face it, but B, specifically, the collateral damage left behind by Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos is affecting women trying to raise money in a time when it's hard for women to raise money. So it's sort of a double, a double whammy there. And, uh, and that is part of the just crash and burn that she did. And yet, it must be said that men crash and burn all the time, yeah. and other men just line up on Sand Hill Road and get funding the next day. Hello, Adam Newman. Um, but, uh, we're fame. But Elizabeth Holmes really left, I think, a, a big, uh, chasm there, and, and I think women are still paying the price here in Silicon Valley for it. You know, honestly, I think the sooner Holmes and Balwani are forgotten, the better this town's going to be. Okay, uh, June 4th, Apple Worldwide Developers Conference. Looks like it's, sometimes these are kind of snooze fest, but this one looks pretty big. Uh, I'm looking at down here. They're expected to do some new MacBooks, notably a 15-inch MacBook Air, and it may be powered by Apple's new M3 processor. So even Apple can now get processors out into the market faster than Intel can. <laughs> um, it also may introduce a new 25-inch iMac and even a long overdue MacBook Pro. But the big news apparently is a reality headset uh, with its own special operating system. Apple doesn't introduce new operating systems more than once every 20 years. Uh, it's going to be a mixed reality headset, and it's probably going to cost thousands of bucks. So for a guy that buys used uh, iPhones instead of the new ones, this is probably a little bit out of your price range. <laughs> yeah. 
I get to test things. I don't get to buy everything. Um, but you know, it's an interesting point. The, the headset market right now is really not much of a market. I know Facebook is trying Microsoft to an extent, but it hasn't become a consumer product. And often technology doesn't become a consumer product until Apple comes out with it. Yeah. And, but part of the thing that Apple is, has managed to do with the smartphone, the tablet, uh, ear pods, et cetera, et cetera, is price them so that a whole lot of people can afford them or at least convince themselves that yeah. they can afford them. Thousands of dollars for a headset seems a little out of that range. So that I'll believe when I see it, A, because of the price, but B, because we've had a chance to buy some of these Oculus devices from yeah. Meta, um, and we haven't for the most part. I've certainly tried them and they're neat for a little bit, but then I put it down and I never go get them again. Right. Um, and that was sort of the case with a lot of Fitbit type things and smartwatches. Uh, so how does Apple come up with the next must have consumer thing? Not by charging thousands of dollars, but by somehow making a product necessary that let's, let's be honest, when it comes to these headsets has not yet been necessary at all in our lives. And so I wonder what they're going to do given the metaverse sort of going off to the side for now. Yeah. Um, and why would you need one of these things is the question I would always ask. What problem does it solve? And I don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah, but I think the real story here is that operating system. I think that's Apple's stalking horse into the whole world of virtual reality. Right, but do we want to be in the world of virtual reality? Well, you said you hated it when you tried uh, the metaverse. No, it was just boring. Dis I mean, yeah, it was dis like disembodied humans wandering through hell. Right. <laughs> I mean, but that's how it's pitched. And, and like, like, hey, go to a concert in the metaverse. But wait, I, I love live music in the world. And, you know, go to a meeting in the metaverse. Well, come on. What have we been doing the last two and a half years? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't mean to be overtly skeptical, although that is how I earn my paycheck. But I think we just need to say, why do we need this? We said that to Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, and his answer was, okay, I admit we don't. And that made the company about $300 billion in market value in a very short period of time. It was a really good answer, I thought, he gave. Yeah. Uh, but now to ask I think Apple, their campaign should be, you get to be alone, <laughs> and we'll give you lakes eventually. Yeah, that's a really good one-two punch for, for the social world. Um, so, uh, right, I, I just, uh, I would need to know why we need this and, and what problem it solves, and I, I haven't heard answers to either of those yet. Well, uh, in terms of Apple, kudos to, you know, to Cook. I mean, he may, Apple may no longer be a great innovator, but it is the great, greatest product developer in history. Right, I mean, we've learned through Silicon Valley that, right, product innovation is huge, and, and all of you who have bought anything from cars to phones appreciate what's come out of this area, but also how you update those products and supply chain those products and get those products into people of all ages, pockets and purses, et cetera, and, and no one, I think, in history, perhaps, has done that as well as Tim Cook. I can't remember why, so, and I'm old. <laughs> okay. Uh, finally, if you've grown tired of Alexa waking you into the, in the morning to the voice of Shaq or Samuel L. Jackson, which is actually kind of cool, uh, or God forbid, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Amazon has announced that that function is about to end on your device. Uh, the good news, you can write to Amazon and they'll give you a refund on your subscription. Now see, as someone who covers privacy, yeah, I'm going to push back on that and say, okay, Amazon, so 
a device that listens to me 24 seven in my house is fine. Sleeping. Right, but the idea that Shaquille O'Neal or Melissa McCarthy is going to be the voice is somehow going out of business. I'd rather saw my leg off than listen to Melissa McCarthy wake me up in the morning. I like Melissa McCarthy. Oh, I do too, but... <laughs> I've never heard her wake. So, right, anyway. No, Alexa is the apocalypse. I mean, let's call it. I mean, it's, it listens to everything you say. It can listen to what your neighbors say. It can listen to the, your fight in the next room. I mean, as we spoke, and I just noticed on the news, Amazon had to pay some huge fine for the Ring doorbell. I mean, people are getting hit, the FTC is getting hit, to privacy concerns that you know, we, we constantly, constantly talk about. And um, not to disparage any of you if you have a Google Assistant or an Alexa, but just know that it's listening to you, yeah. whether you like it or not. And maybe aggregating the data, and not specifically thinking about you, but that's a privacy violation, whether yeah. Shaquille O'Neal is the voice. Bottom line is we should own, the, uh, we should own our info information. Yes. And until that happens, it's going to be this. Uh, so you can get rid of all that stuff. And meanwhile, your kids are on TikTok supplying the Chinese every bit of information about your life. Well, that, that is an issue that's not going to go away anytime <laughs> no. soon. Do we ban TikTok? Montana is trying to Montana do that right now. Right. And uh, I mean, good luck with that, by the way. And, uh, and but TikTok almost has to have a future. Uh, and I just wonder, is it possible to have a future unless they spin off an American version of it? Because, and think about where our country is in terms of left versus right and Democrat versus Republican and all of these things. Is there one thing that both sides agree on? And the answer is TikTok and Chinese spying. And the country came together with the spy balloon. It has come together on TikTok it is completely not together on anything else in this world. So that tells you something about what TikTok needs to do because it is the one thing uniting our country. Uh, that's it for now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm proud to say uh, this was, that we did not mention Elon Musk or Twitter today. Thank you, you guys. <laughs> Uh, you, can, you can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage as well as on Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, and check out our YouTube page. Thanks to the Downtown San Jose Rotary for being such a great audience, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.